podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to the TWS Sports Podcast. The question is, is darts really a sport? It was the worst tackle I've ever seen. Fair play to Joe Root, it was a great knock. There's nothing like a good derby match. It was easily the best 7-9 I've ever hit. Right, come on lads, let's crack on. Hello and welcome to the TWS Sports Podcast with me, Adam Millichip. My colleague Nigel's back with us today. We miss you, Nigel. How are you feeling? I'm really good. Thank you very much, Adam. I'm really excited about our podcast today. Good. And today we're joined by one of our co-hosts, Tom. So our other co-host, Thomas, can't be with us today, but he should be back next week. How are you this week, Tom? Good, thanks. It's going to be great. Good. Just to remind our listeners, this podcast is hosted by Technal Woods School in Wolverhampton. Technal Woods School is a school for children and young adults with autism. And we have set up this podcast to provide our pupils with a fantastic opportunity to develop a range of skills whilst interviewing top sportsmen and women from a variety of different sports. And before we introduce today's guest, I just want to thank all our listeners for the amazing support we've received. We've received so many lovely messages from around the world and we will share some of them later on in the podcast. But please keep the messages coming. You can contact us on social media by searching TWS Sports Podcast or email in twssportspodcast.hotmail.com. Joining us today on the TWS Sports Podcast is a Commonwealth gold medalist, Thomas Henley. Hi, Thomas. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. It's been it's it's a nice opportunity for me to take a little break <laughs> from my <laughs> from my working job. <laughs> Good. So, what what sort of things have you been up to this week, Thomas? I've actually done quite a lot this week. I've recently um, been to uh, the doctors uh, about my knee because I, I injured it a couple of weeks ago during a boxing practice. So I've got an MRI today and such. I had like a bike accident about a couple of years ago in Thailand and it, I hurt it then, but I didn't realize the extent that I did. So I've got like multiple ligament injuries <laughs> that I, uh, I may need to get surgery on. Um, we'll get, point, get all but, sorted soon. Fingers crossed for you, John. But I've had, I've had, I've had another video interview recently. Uh, I think yesterday a, a nice chap called Christopher who, um, Wanted to to interview me about autism in spot, so I've had a bit of practice. <laughs> I am really looking forward to chatting with you today about sport and autism. I'm very I'm very much looking forward to talking to you as well. Thank you very much for inviting me on. Looking back at your childhood, who were your sporting heroes, and how did you get into martial arts? That's a good question. I uh, I didn't really have any sporting heroes. When I was younger, I think the the one sort of motivation for me to get into martial arts and to uh, compete was actually from one of my favorite anime series called Dragon Ball Z or Z, as you would say in, in the UK. And um, I was I don't know I, I I was very into the whole superhero kind of thing, and I wanted to be one of them, so that's why I joined. <laughs> so have you is it, was it always taekwondo or did, was there any other martial arts you did when you were younger i started off in swimming okay. uh, which I, d- I did a few events for which is very different to martial arts <laughs> but I, I tried a lot of different martial arts around the age of 14 um i tried judo jujitsu aikido karate mma um all of them involved a lot of physical contact like touching and especially with sort of the 
the grappling type sports. Uh, so Taekwondo was quite a good fit for me because it's a lot about kicking and you can kick from a fair, <laughs> fair way away. Was being autistic a help or hindrance when you were training for the Commonwealth Games? I think I think in, in general with, with anything to do with autism, it's it's a very much a mixed bag. So there there are some difficulties around anxiety. And at the time, uh the GB squad wasn't really into the um wasn't really developed enough to support me in that sense. Um, so I had a lot of difficulties during the training. But I would say that one of my my best skills, something that I, I hold quite dear to me is that I, I stick very well to routine. So I'm, I'm always there every week doing the same thing over and over again. Some people would go to training, try really hard uh, for maybe like a month or so, and then take a little bit of a break and miss sessions. Uh, but my sort of dependence on the, on the routine made it so that I put in a lot more work than other people. Um, so it definitely helped me in that sense. And I imagine with the build-up of the Commonwealth Games, that could be quite a stressful time for for anyone, really. So how mm. did, being autistic, how did you cope with the build-up? Obviously, there was, there was thousands of people there. It was all of the media. How did, was there any coping strategies you used, you used? Or what sort, what, what sort of advice could you give to anyone else who's autistic who's going through the similar sort of thing? Yeah, I think I think a lot of the coping strategies was just building up my, my confidence slowly from sort of local localized events successes in in like the national championships and such and going abroad to compete which obviously you know the commonwealth involves a a number of different countries all of which have different fighting styles and different ways of training so being able to to be exposed to those environments and to to get used to them and to understand that yeah it's going to be Taekwondo events are not the most sensory friendly places and taking breaks from that, that competition environment was quite important for me. So was that true before your fight as well, Thomas? Cause I read that sometimes you got panic attacks before you due to fights. Uh, yeah. Very debilitating. So how, how mm-hmm. did you manage that? Well, it's, it's, it's one of those things. I mean, I, I struggle with, with anxiety quite a lot on a, on a regular basis. So it's, it's it's naturally going to happen when when you're waiting to to do a combat sport. It's it's not a safe environment. It's fairly intimidating, especially if you're competing in, in front of a large amount of people. And I guess it's just just knowing that even if I do have a panic attack or I do have a meltdown or something prior to it, I'm still able to do it. And I've done that a few times in the past. It's more about knowing that, you know, just because you are you, you are worried and you, you are getting very overloaded, you can still calm yourself down, get yourself ready. And there, there hasn't been one time in my career when I've missed a training session or missed a competition or, or a fight because of my anxiety or, or the panic attacks. That's, pretty, that's really positive because I, I couldn't do that. I... <laughs> I, I hate talking in front of people. I hate doing anything in front of people. So um, that's amazing that you've developed strategies and and fair play team. That's amazing. It's a lot to do with confidence, I would say. Yeah, it's just just you, building up slowly. Has that got better as you've got older? It has actually. I, I took a bit of a hiatus from 
competition and when I was doing my research placement in Thailand. And so I sort of trained with the, the, the coaches over there, but obviously the competitions aren't as heavy over there and I don't really know the coaches. And so I, I had a, a long break in that time. Uh, but when I, when I came back to the, to the UK, I was, you know, I did a lot of personal development and the traveling definitely helped with, with helping to make, make me feel more, more confident and independent. So when I came back to the UK, I had a lot of sort of added confidence and a lot more of a, you know, I, I'm going to do this. This is what I have to do. And I, I did actually go back after, after not competing or fighting for a long time. Um, I went to the, the national championships and I had two fights that I won and I lost the final one to the gold medalist. And so I got a bronze, sadly, due to the uh, the lack of points that I had. It meant that I I faced faced the gold medalist quite quite soon. So I would, you know, I I would say that, yeah. As 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 I've got older, it's my fighting style have changed, and I feel more comfortable in the in the ring. How did it feel to win a gold medal at the Commonwealth Games? If it, it felt unreal. It didn't really feel, it didn't really feel, um, I, I didn't know really how to process it. It was only ent- until after that I, that I uh, processed it enough and I, I realized that I, I had that gold medal. It was a very intense fight. It was the last fight of the day. And I was fighting against a um, competitor who'd moved down from the heavyweight category due to the, um, the lack of uh, co- competitors in the heavyweights. And so my last fight was against a, a massive, much heavier Australian guy. And um, it was perhaps the, the closest fight that I've ever witnessed. And I, I was fighting in it. He <laughs> um, was quite a bit heavier, wasn't it? I read that he's like 10 kilos heavier than you. At least 10 kilos. And he was taller than me. And that's, you know, I, I'm tall. I'm not, I'm not crazy tall, but I'm six three. So he's, he, he did look over me. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I actually, uh, surprisingly, the, the, the way that I won was that I, I knocked him over too many times. So in Taekwondo, you, you get penalized up to about 10 points um, due to fouls or, or due to falling over. And my a lot of my game plan was, was centered around my strength like my physical strength and my power. So a lot of my kicks knocked him over. And so in the, in the final round, uh, he was ahead by about two points and I'd knocked him down and he was on about nine points in, in penalization. And in the last couple of seconds of the, the last match, um, I was running after him and trying to, trying to get points and trying to kick him. Um, but of course, running away and running out of the ring, she penalized a point. So it was, it went down to a judge decision and it took a long time for them to process it, but they, they penalized him and I got the, I got the gold. <laughs> right, well, didn't that? I mean, yeah, that really did go down to the wire, didn't it? Yeah, it uh, was. It was That's awesome. It was, it was intense. Have you ever been, how are the opportunity to go to the Olympic games? Uh, no, I sadly, I, I don't have the best relationship with the, the GB squad. I have, um, had many occasions where I've represented GB 
So I've I've been been to the Commonwealth and I've also been to the under 21 European Championships where again I lost uh, to the gold medalist um in the fourth round. So I didn't I didn't manage to medal there, but I got further than the other GB athletes. But they they didn't really un- they don't really understand autism. So uh, I I was never really put forward for anything because they they quoted a, a lack of motivation or a lack of drive or grit to be able to to be a professional athlete, which was caused by me having meltdowns before a training session, which would be normal for me at that age because I, I struggled with changing environments quite a bit. Um, and new people, a new place to train, a new camp. It was always very difficult for me. And so I, I, I've never had that that relationship built enough to to go and compete professionally. That's a real shame. You, de- you don't actually hear uh, so much about uh, autism sports. Is it getting better or I think it's being made? Yeah, I will. I know that the GB is, GB Taekwondo is starting to, include more Paralympic athletes. So I'm assuming that they're starting to become a little bit more inclusive. Uh, I don't know whether they would be, I don't know whether they would be being autistic would, would mesh well at this stage. Cause I, I, I wouldn't know, but I'd, I'd hope that it would, because there's a lot of, there's, there's a couple, maybe two or three autistic Taekwondo athletes who are fairly well developed. And I think if, if they had the right, coaching and they had the right sort of drive and support then they, they would do well how did it feel to be voted best male fighter <laughs> you know that that i can say that i was very happy about i was um it was the end the end of the day and obviously my fight was last so everybody was like screaming in my ear and watching me and and all of that and then straight after everybody started packing up to go home because it was Taekwondo days tend to last a long, long time. And especially when you're at your heavyweight in the heavyweight sort of division, they tend to be like one of the last fights. So it was probably around nine or 10 PM at that time. And so I, I, I was packing my mum was saying, you know, let's go. Like you got your gold, <laughs> let's go and stuff. <laughs> and they, uh, <laughs> they started reading it out and I was, I was carrying all my bags uh, obviously you have to carry all your gear and stuff with you. So I had this massive duffel bag and multiple bags that I was carrying. And I was just like, once, one second, I'm just going to listen just to, just to listen and see what, what they announce. And I hung back and they said my name. So <laughs> I threw all my bags onto the floor and sprinted across the arena. So we would like to share some of the fantastic messages that we have received. Our first one comes from Tracy in Newcastle, who says, what a brilliant podcast. I make sure to listen every week. I love the way the hosts allow the guests to speak and ask really good questions. Fantastic. And our other review comes from Luke in New Zealand, who says, wow, it's so refreshing to hear young adults with autism speak so clearly and confidently to these big sports stars. Keep up the good work, TWS Sports Podcast. So thank you very much for your messages and we've received so many so we're really grateful for your messages and, and please keep them coming so thank, thank you very much I noticed you had some uh, you have some shirts at the back like do, do they represent anything or yeah so we tell me rec- about them yeah so we've recently partnered up with a company called Supply Shirts and they kindly donated us um, uh, these shirts 
And you can visit their website, actually. It's www.surpriseshirts.co.uk, and you can find out more about them. Mm. But, yeah, we've got Very two shirts. So this one here is a Panther Sportif uh, football team. And a little fact about them is they are from Cameroon, and they won the Cameroon Cup in 1988 and 2009. And this one is, and a difficult one to say, I don't even know if I'm going to say it right. Oh, I'm, I'm Go on, Nigel. Guarani Antonio Franco shirts. And a good fact about them is they come from Argentina and they're playing the Torneo Argentino A-League. How about that? Wow. So, um, yeah, so there's two interesting shirts. So thank you That's very much, shirts for them. Yeah. I know. That's a lot of country diversity. I read that you're training to become a boxer. How is that going? It's going pretty well. I've made a lot of, of headway with my, my fitness and um, I'm, I'm yet to to start sparring because I, I like to um, get used to the environment and get used to the techniques before I do any contact work. But I've I've learned a lot. And uh, I, I go to the this club called Harrogate ABC. Uh, say ABC is amateur boxing club. Um, and there's, there's, there's a couple of people who've, who've come out of there. I think there's one person who's won the heavyweight Yorkshire championships. And it's, it's going pretty well, but I've, I've, I've hit a roadblock recently because of my knee, which I mentioned yeah. uh, to you at the start of the, the podcast. So I'm at, at the moment, I've been doing a lot of strength and conditioning work to sort of fill out my, my frame a little bit and try and try and support my knee, sort of yeah. get the musculature around it and stuff. I was going to ask uh, Thomas, uh, how far are you hoping to take the boxing? Are you hoping to go eventually professional with it? Ooh. Well, I, I'd have to have an amateur fight first. Of course, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Ambition wise. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I always lo- like combat sports. And the reason why I stopped Taekwondo was well, one of the reasons was the GB and the other one was the the knee injury. So I'm hoping that once I get my once I get my knee sorted out, then I can possibly go back into Taekwondo, do a bit more there. Uh but boxing's been been really great because it's it's given me a lot more sort of transferable skills and um, to possibly go back into Taekwondo. And if I can't sort my knee out, then, you know, maybe, maybe boxing might be the thing for me. What are your hobbies outside of sport? I love podcasting, <laughs> interviewing or being a host. I, I'm, I'm always happy doing one. I also. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. It's, uh, it's been running for about, year and a bit now uh i'm just coming up on the last episode of the first season it's about i think 34 episodes so far so what sort of things do you talk about on your podcast we generally try to to stick around the topics of autism and mental health it's a very informal podcast so i like i like to compare it to perhaps maybe a chat over a coffee mm-hmm. um but we tend to explore a lot of different subjects ranging from look at looking in sort of knowledge and opinions on maybe maybe sometimes topics that people don't want to talk about um and we also talk about experiences that that I've had and that my guests have had um to try and offer some constructive support for other people who maybe get going through the same things it's a lot about personal development in my podcast yeah. oh, well if you listen check it out what was it called again thomas the 40 Orty podcast. I also have a YouTube channel called Asperger's Growth. You can find my 
Asperger's in Society documentary, which explores the link between autism and mental health. Uh, I also do a lot on personal development, dating, friendships, different different topics. Again, like the like the forty forty podcast around perhaps some things that people wouldn't like to talk about on a regular basis. When you were diagnosed at ten, you describe it as being really happy. How did you feel before your diagnosis? You know, I I, I was always a very oblivious um, sort of uh, happy go lucky kid. I, I saw the best intentions in everyone and that sort of mentality it worked up until up until a point when people started to or the children started to develop a lot more socially than myself so i started to 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 feel like people around me were just a little bit hard to understand there's a lot of cases where people would take advantage of me socially because um, I didn't really understand those 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 social rules, and so I got into trouble quite quite a bit with that, um, which I think was was one of the the driving factors for me going for a diagnosis. I don't know. I I, I just felt like things were off, and that I was off, and that I didn't really fit in, even at that age, at the age of of ten. Of course, it got even more pronounced as I got into teenagehood, but it it, it was one of the, the standout moments for my childhood, especially in terms of memory, as I haven't really um, remembered much other yeah. than that. <laughs> um, Tom, I want to ask, um, how do you feel? Do you remember getting your diagnosis of autism? How, how did you feel when you received that? Um, well, I can't remember how exactly it worked, but I remember hearing my mum explain that it happened sometime in primary. Yeah. Uh, it... I didn't really like understand how, why it felt so like different for me. Like I always had like trouble in primary. So I've always had like TAs with me and yeah. then things always used to escalate because before I went to technology school, I went to a separate type of educational center in my primary while still going to mainstream primary. And, you know, I had, I had the, the same troubles that um, Donald schools had where certain things I wouldn't develop on or I misunderstood certain contexts of things. So and how do you feel now at this school? Uh I feel like I've improved and that uh I'm getting more understanding of certain things. Yeah, do you feel you're getting the, the right sort of support now? Yeah. That's brilliant. And Tom I'd like to say as well since doing this podcast with you I've seen a real improvement and I've you've developed really well your your social skills your your questioning has really improved well so and your confidence as well confidence yeah yeah absolutely it's so great to hear that's it's really it is really a great thing podcasting <laughs> I'm glad that you glad that you're doing it as 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 part of your school it's like far above what what most people would do for the students so all right, boys, we've come to the part of the podcast where we are joined by another podcast. This week, we've been joined by the Dads and Lads pod. Welcome, Stuart and Sean. Hello, guys. How are you? Hi, mate. Hi, mate. So tell us a little bit about your podcast. How did you set it up and, and what, what is it? So Sean has learning difficulties. And during the first lockdown in like September 2020, he really noticed that I was uh, listening to more podcasts because I was in work less. And we both started listening to a well, I was always listening to it, and Sean started listening to Gorilla Position, which is a wrestling podcast. And he said, can we do a podcast? And that, and 
that was it. He wanted to do it because he thinks he's a bit like, he, wanted, he fancied himself as like a Joe Rogan getting one of them Spotify <laughs> deals. And I wanted to try and raise awareness for children with learning difficulties through Sean. I'm kind of without Sean knowing it was going to be like educational as well. It was. It's become a bit more just sports orientated as opposed to anything else because Sean is more comfortable talking about sport than anything else. Sean, how are you finding the podcast? Are you enjoying it? I think it's good. Everyone in my school listen to in it now. I like famous in that school now. <laughs> Who's been your, your favourite guest you've had on? Kyle Walker. Kyle Walker. So he is, that's not the footballer, is it? It's the radio presenter. Yeah, yeah. He, he works for Manchester City as well and he's on the radio with oh. Sky Sports News. So where can they find your podcast? Oh, we are everywhere. So we are Dads and Lads Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Dads and Lads The Pod on TikTok. Uh, Google search us and we're on Facebook as well. But to listen to it, uh, we are Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, just really everywhere, Podcast Addicts, and we even, we're even we on YouTube as well, so for when we do video episodes, we're on there as well. Fab. Well, thank you for joining the podcast, boys, and I definitely recommend giving you a listen. So it's been a fantastic podcast, so keep up the good work, and thanks for thank coming on. Thank you very much. Thanks for having us on. You mentioned you had some negative experiences at school. So what sort of experiences did you have, and, and what advice can you give to children who are at school now or the teachers at school now to support mm. children with autism? It's a big question, that. It is. <laughs> it's impossible to answer, but... Uh, I'll, I'll break that up into two, if that's all right. Um, so my my negative experience experiences at school are multifaceted. I struggled pretty much in all social settings other than interacting with teachers. Um, that was the, the easiest sort of communication that I had school i had friends but i didn't really have any close friends that i felt really got me especially sort of during upwards of year nine when sort of the hormones started to to occur and perhaps those those more bully bullying like types started to get a bit more aggressive and physical um so i i received a lot of social verbal physical abuse by bullies on a regular basis, going going from uh, going on the bus to school and coming back on the bus and during school, and so I I didn't really feel like I fit in, and it was quite important for me. And I was very paranoid, and the the environment at school was very sensory provoking, and I had a lot of meltdowns at school. I, I didn't go in a lot into school because of um, the 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 sickness that being chronically anxious caused me. And so that, that sort of led into, you know, like with, with, with any sort of chronic pain or anxiety, it generally, um, over time it lends itself to, to those depressive symptoms. So I, I gradually developed quite severe depression, um, which came along with a, with a multitude of different things like perhaps, uh, suicidal thoughts and, and self-harming which which uh it was difficult it was it was a very difficult time and it was very hard to keep going in that environment um i had counseling 
which didn't really help because it wasn't autism specialized, which is one of the things that I think needs to change. And I think, I think the, the only, the, the way that I got rid of that, that anxiety that I built up over the day um, during school was to do sport. So Taekwondo was, was a, an amazing opportunity for me to release all of that tension and relax and it, it, it helped stabilize my mood a lot more. Um, the routine helped. It kept my mind busy. It kept me active. And after a while, it did a lot for my confidence to, to help me stand up to bullies. Um, and I did stand up to bullies and it worked. And gradually I got, I got more notoriety for my sporting achievements. You know, the, the mental health stuff doesn't really go away because of anything, but it, it, it definitely can be managed better over time. And I would definitely say that, that sport and Taekwondo was the key managing tool that I used. Um, I think it's a massive credit to you for having coming through the negative experiences and, and looking at your career. Now you've won Commonwealth gold. You've got a successful podcast, successful documentary, successful um, social media pages and stuff. So it's a massive credit to you. Well done. I mean, yeah, can come from such a dark place as well. And to emerge, well, can I say come off gold with your degree as well? You described the phrase, we're all a little bit autistic, aren't we? As being one that you particularly dislike. Can you tell us why? Yes, I can. <laughs> um, it's it's not that I'm, it's not that I, I get, personally triggered by it it's not it doesn't like cause me intense discomfort it's more of a it just the the logic behind it is very flawed in saying that i think that when people try when people say everyone's a little bit autistic they're coming from a good place um they're saying like okay we're, we're somewhat similar in in this way but really what comes across to autistic people is that you're not any different. I didn't need to learn anything from you. <laughs> you, yeah. you, you know, I understand what being autistic is like to some degree. Whereas in, in many social settings, it's our, our differences that make for interesting conversation and learning. So that's one aspect to it, which I, f- I, f- I think that it's sort of a, a lazy way of trying to include somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one is, is that People, people use autism tests as a way to see how autistic they are rather than a way to know if they should go for an for, for a, a assessment. The problem with that is that a lot of the traits of autism can be transferable in, in low levels to other people in the population. And so it's... Is that is that misconception that we're, we're all on this this spectrum that I fi- I find it doesn't doesn't really make much sense to me. If you're autistic, then you're likely to have a lot of these characteristics and therefore score quite highly. And if you're not, you may score a little bit on each of these criteria: social anxiety, struggling in social situations. You might you might just be a bit shy, and um, People take that as being a little bit autistic. So it's, I think it's a big misconception and a lot of people yeah. propagate it, even researchers and uh, 
you hear me some... quite a lot, uh, and, and we do uh, as as teachers as well. You hear people sort of mention it in passing, and you think you know they've had this idea that just because they saw like saw their towels in sort of a certain colour and colour order, therefore they must be a little bit autistic without really <laughs> understanding just you know what how. how uh, wide the spectrum is and the you know, number of difficulties that people with autism face. It's looking for presentational characteristics. The presentation is the is downstream to the person. An autistic person will have a lot of downstream presentational things that you can pick up on. People who are autistic may have some downstream things that would be classified as things to look out for, but it doesn't mean that they're on a certain level on the spectrum. So as a society, what sort of things can we change right now to make the world more inclusive? I would say that there are many things that we can do, many things that we can start on, not not perhaps get right now, but there's many things that we can work on. I recently did a, a presentation at the Autism Show very recently about, about this, this particular thing. And there are four sort of key key areas that I think need to need to be improved. Um, the first is uh, education and awareness. So I I, I know that generally, uh, children in secondary school who perhaps are going to do psychology um, as like a GCSE or an A level, or that the, that's the first time that they'll really learn about autism. And really, what's needed is early stage primary school education into what autism is and the way that the way that they're different and and cover all bases very broadly on the the negatives and the positives um and the, and the ways that the issues may happen and you know i from from my experience as a special needs uh, teaching assistant in primary school i can i can say that it's Children are very receptive to that kind of thing, and if we get it in early, then it it may may help prevent a lot of the the bullying and the mental health things that happen later life. the The second one what, that that I would say would be mental health support. Firstly, we need more broad research into aut- aut- autism's comorbidities, rather than the causes or the um, the genes. In, involved in actually having autism, we need look need to look into those comorbidities a bit more, um, and possibly try and understand the mechanisms that are in place. And then we need we need more specialists in, especially counsellors, psychotherapists, who have that specialism in autism, because um, we do have some, but they're always private and they're always a long way away, and they're always expensive and they always have a long waiting list and looking at the employment statistics for autistic people and the difficulties with travel and and changes in routine that kind of support is is very out of the way and um we know that typical standard approaches to mental health in autistic people don't work and we we really should do more to to address this because of the the mental health I do realise that I've been ranting for a while now, but um, I'll, I'll briefly cover the last two. Uh, I think that we need more work on inclusion in workplaces as well, because the, the the employment statistics are abhorrent for autistic people. Something like twenty percent in in any 
maybe even lower in in any type of employment which is ridiculous looking at the um the skills and the the intelligence of most autistic people and so we have a lot of changes in terms of diversity in terms of getting people into the workplace but not that support from uh, an understanding team or a support from an understanding manager and that that can lead to a lot to look to low job satisfaction and propagating those toxic behaviors like bullying and isolation and then i said that the last thing which we we need more exposure for those autism advocates who are willing to talk up about these things um because until we have autism advocates approaching and talking on mainstream media sites and mainstream podcasts and and main, any mainstream news then we're not really going to change any any perceptions on this and we re- we really do need to put more effort into avoiding stereotypes in um, the casting for things like films and TV series. I completely agree. And you're doing a fantastic job advocating autism. And so you, you're very, um, very knowledgeable about, about the subject and you speak so well about it. And it's really fascinating. And I really enjoyed hearing you speak about it. So I would encourage anyone listening to check you out on social media, to follow, give you a follow on all your social media sites and, and to listen because it's really empowering to hear you speak. Yeah, absolutely. Check out Asperger's Growth on YouTube and also Thoughty Orty as a podcast. I would just like to say a big thank, thank you again to everyone who listens to our podcast. We really appreciate it. Please continue to leave reviews and pass our podcast on to your friends and family. Thank you so much, Thomas, for the time to chat with us today. We really enjoyed speaking with you and it means so much to us as a school to be able to have the opportunity to speak with you. Thank you. Thank you very much, Tom. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, thank you so you much. all of you for inviting me on. No, it's been a pleasure to talk with you, Thomas. Thank you so much. Likewise. Our TWS Sports podcast will be released every Tuesday, so make sure you subscribe so you do not miss any episodes. The TWS Sports podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and many other podcast streaming apps. Thank you so much for joining us today, Thomas. And thanks, lads. And see you next week. See you later. (laughs) See you later. Take care. Take care. The TWS Sports Podcast combines autism and sport. This unique podcast is hosted by children with autism. And each week, they interview famous sportsmen and women from around the world. The TWS Sports Podcast takes you deep into the sports star's career, their highs and lows, what happens away from the field of play, and so much more. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other podcast apps. The TWS Sports Podcast, where autism and sports combine. Sports Social Podcast Network.